here's the question. In the print and packaging supply chain, how do we deliver new ideas and innovative practices to continually improve your profit, your brand, and your quality? Welcome to the Gamut Podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Collins, Director of Print Technologies for ID Alliance. We are a nonprofit global think tank serving the graphic communications industry with 12 offices strategically located around the world to better support our membership. You can support the Gamut Podcast and content like this by becoming a member at ID Alliance by going to www.idalliance.org. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Canon USA. They provide industry-leading production and large-format printing solutions supported by exceptional professional service offerings. With the technology offerings of the Canon and Osei brands and a vast portfolio of toner-based and inkjet solutions, Canon USA helps companies of all sizes to find ways to improve sustainability, increase efficiency, and control costs in conjunction with high volume, continuous feed, digital and traditional printing, and workflow solutions. Canon USA is headquartered in Melville, New York, and has sales and service locations across the United States and throughout the world. On today's Gamut Podcast, we bring you part one of a two-part series. This is a first for us, and we are very fortunate to have as our guest a world-leading authority in the area of color management and color science for the print and packaging industry from the company Siegwerk, and his name is Dr. Kieran Despande, and Dr. Despande is an engineer in printing technology. He holds a Master's of Science degree in digital color imaging and a PhD in color science from the London College of Communication. He has extensive experience in color management inside the packaging industry for various technologies like Offset, Flexo, Gravure, and digital printing and works worldwide on strategic development and rollout of color management, including CMYK and spot color standardization, as well as expanded color gamut printing or ECG. He collaborates and touches all stakeholders in the supply chain from brand owners, designers, pre-press, ink room, and press room. Kieran has published and presented many scientific papers in the field of color science and imaging. He is actively involved in several international standardization activities, such as ISO, CIE, or the International Commission on Illumination, ICC, and ID Alliance. He has worked for companies covering a broad spectrum in the industry like Xerox, ESCO, and multi-packaging solutions, which is a part of Westrock. Currently, he's working at Siegwerk as a global senior expert in color management, where he is leading a color management program across all regions and business units. Siegwerk is a market leader of printing inks for packaging and publication with a 180-year history in tailoring ink technology and services. They were founded in 1824 in Cologne, Germany, and now have more than 5,000 employees and an annual sales of 1.06 billion euros. They serve customers in more than 100 countries worldwide with business units in flexible packaging, narrow web, liquid food packaging, tobacco, sheet-fed, paper and board, as well as digital inkjet. You can sum up SIGWORK's philosophy with three words, 
ink heart and soul because they know their business and produce inks and individual solutions in close cooperation with their business partners. They are steeped in tradition yet practice oriented with state-of-the-art technology and they supply and support every customer anywhere in the world. So I'm happy to introduce Dr. Kieran Despande. Good morning, Kieran. How are you? Hi, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, I'm quite good. Thanks. Uh, It's nice to be um, here on the podcast talking to you. Dr. Despande, I'd like to start off and I would love to hear about your topic for your PhD, if you don't mind. My um, topic for PhD, it's quite interesting. It's uh, N-color separation methods, uh, which means the expanded gamut um, uh, color separation. Uh, but this is specifically for accurate reproduction of spot colors. So, so N color is um, is the same as expanded gamut. Uh, in fact, uh, there are so many different terminologies uh, used uh, for expanded color gamut or N color separation, multicolor process, seven color process. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is confusing, but uh, these are all the same things. So. Uh, from scientific perspective, it, uh, I mean, that's uh, I'm calling it N-color separation, uh, but essentially it is the same thing. So there are so many different names, um, but I think maybe uh, if we want to start uh, kind of uh, standardizing or harmonizing uh, this process, perhaps uh, we can begin with the, the, the name, the terminology. You know, the work that we're doing with the Print Properties and Color Metric Council, and I, by the way, I really appreciate you sending me the uh, gamut analysis uh, white paper that you wrote, presentations, absolutely love it. And uh, that was done on XCMYK, another acronym, which is expanding just with CMYK inks, the gamut past what we normally use with yep. offset inks, right? So I'm, Yeah, so basically, yeah. I mean, if you look at the whole uh, process or concept, um, it, it is it is a kind of umbrella or, or you can call it as a, as a bigger framework. Um, you can consider seven color as a, as a typical, uh, most widely used um, uh, ECG um, process, but then you can use six colors, you can use five colors. XCMYK is a kind of enhanced um, or a boosted CMYK, which is a four colors. But at the end of the day, you are actually um, increasing the color gamut of your original, like a baseline CMYK process. And that uh, you can count it as a different flavors of uh, a bigger ECG umbrella. Um, even though seven color is, is, is the default, um, I, I suppose, in the industry. I mean, you can broadly think of this ECG as like a two uh, uh, predominant use cases. Uh, but the first one is, I would say, more important for packaging, which is replacing spot color and spot color inks uh, with, uh, with a kind of fixed ink set, uh, typically CMYK, orange, green, violet. So that's the first objective. And the second objective, uh, which, which was predominantly maybe in a commercial or some kind of image uh, enhancement. So this is a enhancing the vividness of image. It should look more... Uh, glossy, more more bright colors and things. Um, but in packaging, I would say the first objective uh, gives you far more cost savings, time savings, and that's where the money is. Uh, the bottom line is you're saving a lot of dollars um, and and replacing the spot colors. That's that's uh, that's the main business case. Mm-hmm. Even though technically you can say, oh, there, there are there are these different objectives of uh, of ECG. There's some added complexity to the uh, ability to separate the uh, images and uh, files, but uh, the solution providers are stepping up the plate to simplify that. Uh, Companies like Gesco and uh, 
uh, GMG, Kodak, and a few others. I yeah, I mean, there is a added complexity when you look at it from the, the, the vendor's perspective or yeah. color management or color separation perspective. Um, what it is, is uh, you have uh, this, if you think in terms of mathematics and things, I mean, now you are extending your four dimensions of CMYK to say seven dimensions. Um, and then that gives you the added complexity, uh, which creates so many challenges in kind of, if you're looking at generating suitable color separation, Mm -hmm. uh, with with seven colors, that's where the challenge lies uh, from 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 this end. Um, so so there's, it's it's a mathematical challenge, and I know there are I mean um, uh, lots of products available in the market. The whole ECG um, uh, kind of technology, the the color separation, the mathematics has been evolved uh, quite significantly, and we are currently at the position where um, uh, uh, it's 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 a kind of matured, and then uh, the industry is ready to use it as a, as a next step, um, uh, uh, like a re on a regular basis. Uh, which wasn't the case, I'm sure you know, previously, oh, yeah. maybe if you talk nine or 10 years back. But I think one of the key reasons is also um, uh, the pressure uh, from, 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 the, from the markets. In the, the brand owners, they are looking for a, a quicker time to market. Uh, there are lots of flavors coming in. There are the run lengths. Uh, the volumes are going down. Um, and then you have this sustainable packaging requirement uh, all over the place globally. Mm -hmm. And ECG is, is a perfect example, uh, which fits into this uh, kind of like how you want to make the whole packaging sustainable. Uh, obviously, uh, less uh, wash-ups is the, is, is the main reason. Uh, but quicker time to market, you're actually uh, making sort of a, a, a good choice in terms of uh, um, a sustainable packaging. Yes. Um, so obviously press capacity gains and you can gang up jobs together. There are lots of benefits. Yeah, I um, I, I'm sure most of the listeners, they know. So Kieran, as seven color process or extended color gamut continues to grow for the reasons that you just mentioned, where do you see uh, room for improvement as far as quality? And I bring this up because I spoke to a major retail brand recently that has adopted ECG for production of many of their SKUs, many of their packages for the, again, for the reasons that you mentioned, and they are looking forward to seeing an improvement in accuracy and consistency for reproduction of their brand color, as well as their spot colors that are used in their packaging designs. And they, you know, again, they use 50 to a hundred different vendors uh, globally and uh, where do you see uh, improvements as far as the quality part of seven color process? Yeah, so there are uh, two aspects to this. One is operational. Uh, in other words, uh, throughout the supply chain, are we uh, uh, defining and communicating uh, the specifications, the tolerances consistently? Um, obviously, we currently do not have any kind of international standards. Um, I'm sure I know that uh, uh, the uh, Idea Alliance is working on this uh, quite hard. Uh, but having the specifications and the tolerances and 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 uh, uh, discipline. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is a 
technically how you solve this problem because uh, if you look at different ECG um, sort of uh, processes, they are kind of uh, 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 customized. Um, so if you go to five different print suppliers with, uh, who, are, who are printing to ECG, they might have their own um, ECG in-house specifications and things. So having a common kind of a framework or specifications is the first thing. Um, but secondly, you also need to make sure that what you are, are trying to match uh, the colors. Uh, I mean, typically we live in this uh, Pantone uh, uh, world. Um, there are lots of different, uh, <laughs> I would say, uh, variations. Um, and I'm sure you know about this, that um, uh, the Pantone could uh, colors. There is a Pantone Plus library. But if you're uh, going for extended color gamut, you have a Pantone XGC, which is an extended uh, uh, gamut uh, library. Mm -hmm. So having this kind of managing expectations that if your Pantone 485 uh, original Pantone Plus color is out of gamut uh, for, say, three out of uh, five ECG printers, then you need to make sure that you are defining that target uh, very clearly uh, and it is achievable. In other words, if you are defining that Pantone 485 XGC, this is just an example, but then you have uh, you have actually eliminated uh, that problem of uh, out of gamut colors for some ECG uh, printers. So these things, uh, together with uh, with the, the common um, sort of understanding and specifications, uh, can work very well, to be honest. And if you're uh, uh, press condition specifications along with the ECG, pre-press, uh, the spot target, and the process control specifications are defined uh, clearly uh, along with the tighter tolerances. Um, and, and by the way, inks, they play, play quite important role in this. Color measurement, measuring conditions, the viewing conditions, uh, what are the quality monitoring tools you are using. If these are defined clearly, and I mean, I have worked on some of the these kind of uh, um, uh, uh, the, the whole supply chain inclusive ECG yes. projects and they work quite well um, and you can actually uh, match colors uh, from one printer to another it doesn't matter one is in, is in China and second in the in the in the US or, or Europe as long as you're having the communication specifications and tolerances I think this works uh, the last bit of things is like uh, having um, uh, uh, some kind of common baseline which is for example idealize is working on that and I'm sure there will be uh, ISO standard in future uh, yes. of ECG, which which will help a uh, lot of uh, stakeholders, including brand owners and print converters, uh, with ECG um, without having to uh, compromise. If someone is still they want to use the customized ECG, they can still do it. But uh, but that kind of baseline will help surely. Com Karen, you completed a study for ID Alliance uh, some years ago, a few years back, uh, where you did an analysis comparing XCMYK to uh, Grackle 2013 RPC6, as well as comparing it to Fogra 51, a proofing system. And you also did the analysis and compared XCMYK to um, uh, seven color process or extended color gamut printing. And you are a, you know, one of the, uh, a few authorities on how to properly calculate gamut volume or color gamut in the industry today. There's a lot of conjecture coming from OEMs and, uh, just the, you know, industry in general where people are comparing, 
uh, color gamuts against from one device to another device, you know, essentially saying my gamut's bigger than your gamut and we can capture, you know, X amount of the Pantone library where that process or that solution can't. So can you talk to our listeners and bring some sanity and debunk or illustrate um, some of the issues in calculating gamut volumes and comparing gamut volumes where, you know, we don't want to set the improper expectations for the print buyers or for uh, print service providers who may be purchasing equipment based off on shoddy information about color gamut. Yeah, sure. I mean, you 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 have raised a valid question, and this is a, this is a common um, uh, scenario and common dilemma in 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 the industry. Um, so let me give you some background. I mean, the, one of the problems is um, when you say wide gamut or or just like I can um, I can hit uh, X percentage of uh, Pantone colors. First of all, we need to uh, have a one step back and say how we are defining that color gamut. Um, I'm currently chairing a committee under CIE. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know CIE. Yes. Um, yeah. So this is a technical committee 813, TC 813, where we are actually trying to define, uh, to study and recommend methods, uh, how you can compute the gamut consistently in the industry and how you can communicate color gamuts uh, consistently. This will be, this is uh, for printing devices, all presses, digital devices, all kinds of printing devices, as well as display devices. So this is, uh, this is a kind of uh, international committee uh, uh, um, coming up with the guidelines uh, to uh, how to compute them. For example, if you're using two different test charts uh, uh, for, for measuring gamut and maybe one has got uh, uh, IT, 8.7 chart, which is a typical profiling chart, and second has got a maybe uh, uh, quite less number of uh, color patches or even quite high number of color patches, maybe 6,000 color patches, right. you will get different gamuts from the same device, isn't it? Um, and then uh, there are lots of other parameters which are uh, affecting the, the, the calculation of gamut boundary and gamut volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so this committee is currently uh, um, sort of recommending this uh, gamut boundary description, how we can um, calculate the gamut uh, boundary and the volume. Because mathematically, there are lots of different ways to to uh, look at the measurement data and come up with a different gamut volumes. So even if you have a say two thousand uh, color patches you have measured on a given printer, and then you are using three different methods to calculate uh, the gamut volume, uh, you will get three different gamut boundaries and uh, gamut volume. So um, we're trying to sort of recommend this and have a consistency in industry. Uh, so that's the first thing. Um, Second is how we can then um, uh, have uh, like some kind of comparison of gamuts, uh, because that's another thing uh, that I have worked on, um, which uh, uh, we are calling a gamut metrics. So suppose you have uh, two gamuts. Uh, let's say one is a press gamut and another is a, is a, is a proofer gamut, uh, or, or maybe two press gamuts. And then they have identical, say hypothetically, they have identical gamut volumes. But in the CLE, uh, C-Lab three-dimensional color space, they are not exactly uh, aligned. So they are slightly in a different regions, positioned in the different regions. In that case, how do you compare this? Like it's a kind of a, a, a problem where you have a 
two different volumes. Uh, they might have their own gamut volumes are identical, but they are not positioned identically. So for that, we have uh, what we call as a gamut comparison index, GCI. Mm-hmm. So that looks at uh, the intersection of two gamuts. Let's say you have a digital printer A, which might be a new device. They might claim that we have 70% of the Pantone coverage, and then there is a device uh, uh, B, and that might uh, has like 80% of uh, gamut coverage. What we can do is we can actually, first of all, um, measure their gamuts based on the guidelines that we are currently uh, developing under CIE, Technical Committee. And then that means we are actually measuring the color gamuts consistently. If there are any concavities, because if you look at the the, the gamut uh, boundary, there might be some regions where you are not actually capturing the gamut boundary correctly. You're you're assuming they are convex, but uh, in reality, they are concave. But these uh, will be uh, highlighted uh, based on the recommended method so the first thing is that we are we are comparing like for like. We are we are measuring uh, uh, the color gamut and gamut volume uh, in a more consistent way, and then we can actually compare these gamuts uh, for say printer A and printer B. But then we are also going to compare uh, intersection of these gamuts, which um, uh, which will uh, come into picture, and then this allows us to measure uh, the gamut comparison index GCI. It is kind of a goodness of fit measure. Um, it, it checks. Um, it, it allows us to see how closely these two gamuts match to each other. Um, so that's the first one. But then on top of that, we have other gamut metrics, which allows us to uh, do this kind of gamut analysis. The second one is like gamut coverage. So if we look at the intersection of gamut and then compare it to the individual gamuts, then it will allow us to see what is the gamut coverage of uh, the first uh, printer as compared to the the second one. And then it has got a third metric called out of gamut, which uh, allows us to see the proportion of the first gamut, which is lying outside uh, another like a gamut B. I know it might sound quite scientific, but if if you look at that XCMYK gamut analysis, you and when you look at the um, the diagrams and the the, the figures and the, the three dimensional gamuts, you can you can clearly see um, how we can um, uh, first of all measure and compare these gamuts. Uh, and this is we are um, also um, uh, um, uh, including in one of the new ISO um, ISO eighteen. 621 part 11. Uh, so we are kind of harmonizing this with the CIE technical committee activity with ISO. And then it is also being harmonized with ICC activities like ICC max uh, gamut boundary is also kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, in line with what we are proposing in CIE. Um, if I was to come to you and say, Kieran, I want to really know what the gamut of my uh, ABC printing device is so that I can then yeah. communicate that to, you know, re- I want to communicate reality and facts, not, yeah. not a marketing slogan uh, to my customers. And uh, what do I need to print and give to you? Or what kind of, what kind of data do I need to email to you so that you can tell me how many spot colors uh, I can hit with this particular device and let's just let's say it's CMYK. Okay. It's a, uh, a proofer or yeah. a wide format device. And uh, number one, I want to know, you know, for my own sanity, as well as being able to predict and be honest with my customers. And then two, I want to be able to compare 
this to my other technology, let's say it's Flexo, CMYK Flexo. And so I've got my CMYK Flexo press. I have my proofing system and I have my wide format device. And what do I need to give you so you can do your analysis like you did uh, in the paper that you wrote for uh, uh, XCMYK versus CMYK OBG, et cetera? Yeah. Okay. So basically, um, first of all, you need to um, uh, record some uh, parameters and data. Uh, which will uh, allow us to have a traceability. What kind of uh, printing conditions uh, have been used? Uh, okay. This will include, I mean, if you are using a traditional um, printing techniques, then that includes the substrate, what is the, uh, the, the ink sequence or order of the uh, uh, ink order and so on. So th- we have a list of uh, uh, a minimum criteria uh, in order to communicate uh, the gamut information. So that's something as a, as a format, uh, obviously I can provide that, that set, of, uh, uh, set of parameters required. And secondly, uh, we need to use um, uh, the, the test shard uh, which has been uh, proposed in this. Uh, this has been um, uh, developed by uh, Phil Green uh, previously. Uh, obviously, I can send that uh, test chart. Uh, this is based on a specific uh, combinations uh, of, of uh, 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 colors um, mm-hmm. for, say, CMYK. And then uh, once you print and measure that test chart, you can send the uh, the measurement data uh, in either CXF or uh, Excel or whichever format, as long as we get the spectral um, or LAB numbers uh, of all the measured uh, uh, test chart. That will allow us to uh, measure uh, the color gamut based on the method proposed in this um, uh, um, uh, in this document, and then that will be the same method if we have two or three or four different printing devices to uh, measure and compare the gamut, um, and then that that data is sufficient to also for us to calculate the intersection of gamuts. I mean, we do not need. Do not need any 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 specific any uh, separate data apart from uh, the 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 one that I mentioned. I see. Okay, so in the industry today for CMYK, uh, and we use this quite frequently for G seven master qualification. And yep. that is to submit because, of course, we, you know, we have gray balance considerations that need to hit a certain uh, aim for, you know, Delta L weighted and Delta CH weighted. And then, of course, we have the next, which is targeted, which is our cyan, magenta and yellow targets, as well as our red, green and blue overprints for the different data sets uh, within the ISO 15339. And yep. then we have uh, the color space metrics as well. So we've got three different levels uh, and we're using TC, you know, 16, 17, 16, 17. Yeah. And then now it's T and now it's uh, seven, five. All right. Mm, uh, very yeah. confusing for people that aren't uh, in color management at an expert level. Typically you know, there's like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> and uh, We know, we know exactly what you're right, talking about. Right. You and me. <laughs> so, so now, so I have this, this new test form that everybody's been told to use for very good reasons. And, yep. um, so you mentioned another test form from uh, that, that Phil Green developed to, to, to do it properly the way that you described to, to and we're doing uh, gamut comparisons and looking at the intersection, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so 
that's in another test chart that we would, you know, I mean, is, do you guys foresee that's this test chart being coming something in addition to what we're typically, typically using like a 9874 or 75? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I think it is uh, kind of already kind of complementary. So we have um, done some uh, test uh, testing. Uh, so when when I say if you use different test charts uh, for calculating gamut, you you might get different uh, color gamut boundaries and uh, color gamut volumes. Uh, but it's not. Uh, suppose if we if we have two test charts which are uh, good enough, I mean uh, close enough, then the output or the gamut boundary and the volumes will be uh, very close. Uh, so we have already tested this um, uh, along with uh, Phil Green's um, uh, test chart. The only thing with this test chart, it, it, is, it, is, uh, it is mathematically sort of uh, logically uh, uh, developed. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you use, say, suppose, for example, the latest um, um, IT8 uh, test chart versus this, there is a minimum difference, uh, even if you use different uh, gamut uh, calculation methods. So in other words, um, it, it is it would be not required to change your test chart. So in other words, yes. if, if you have two test charts so close to each other, then it um, it might not, you might not need um, uh, uh, to to consider a separate test chart, yeah. I see. But sci scientifically, uh, it it might be easier to calculate uh, using uh, the test chart that is mentioned here. Now, fantastic, great information. And on that note, we'll go ahead and close out part one of our conversation with Dr. Kieran Desponde. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to miss part two. We will do a deep dive into a business audit for a print service provider how to set correct expectations, training issues, weaknesses, and overall improving the bottom line in a print and packaging supply chain. Thanks for listening to the Gamut Podcast. If you have ideas, suggestions, or would like to join us or even sponsor future podcasts, simply email me at jcollins at idealliance.org. That's J-C-O-L-L-I-N-S at idealliance.org. Take care and have a productive day.